Well, this morning uh, we are in Genesis chapter 32, and as I had mentioned earlier in the service, last week Pastor Mike uh, shared a little bit about, about Jacob and, and uh, his story, uh, the beginnings of it a little bit there, and I'm kind of going in the middle of his, his account in Genesis and what happens with, with uh, Jacob when he is fearing for his life, really, and he's away and he spends time with his uncle Laban and he gets kind of duped and then he's working for his uncle to, for his wives and that's a whole other story. Um, but what goes around comes around. That's what Jacob experienced and he uh, definitely uh, experienced a lot of deception uh, in his own life uh, as much as he doled it out. He, he got it. Every dished out, it came back to him. But we're, in, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 32. And again, Jacob was Abraham's grandson. If you're not familiar with that, if you remember the line, the lineage, it's pretty, pretty simple with the, the patriarchs and it goes on, I think. When you read them a couple of times, you get it in your head. And unlike Abraham, who has a reputation for being a godly man and doing the right thing, although he, he, made, he did a couple of things. No one's perfect. The Bible records that to remind us that we're human too and God's plan is still not going to be thwarted. Amen? Even when we do something, we, we don't just dismiss that and pretend it's okay to do that. But God's plan is going to be upheld. It will be carried out. And so we use different words to describe Jacob. I mean, his name means deceiver, but I mean, words like shyster, right? He's a liar. He's a manipulator. He's a cheater. He's a schemer. He's a con artist. That's what Jacob really is at heart. When you think about and you read his, the account of his life in the book of Genesis. And I guess you could say that his character was revealed at birth. I think Pastor Mike mentioned this. He was the second born of twins and he came out holding his brother's heel. I'm thinking of an image in a video that we saw in Awana this past week in my class with the boys. And we're talking about heroes of the faith. We're talking about Jacob as well this past Wednesday in Awana. And the little video is the cutest thing, but just the graphic of how this Esau comes out. And because he was a hairy man, he was a hairy little baby that came out. I just can't get the picture out of my mind. He's all stubbly and he comes out. It's a cartoon picture and his brother is smooth skinned and he's hanging on to his heel. It was just, and they had diapers on and the whole, it was kind of funny. But he was hanging on to his heel. He was already at it right at birth. And he's been grabbing things in his life ever since his birth. That's what's been going on. And you can read all about that, as, as I mentioned, in Genesis 25, and you can go all the way on to, to where we are and even past where we are in chapter 32. Jacob cheated his brother, right? He conned his father, and he swindled his father-in-law as well. And what he did wasn't exactly illegal, right? But they weren't exactly moral or right either, were they? Not in God's eyes. They were wrong. And, and, and when you do things that are unrighteous, boy, things come back to you, right? We mentioned that already. And, and on all that he did, Jacob was his primary focus. I'm going to say that again. In all that he did, Jacob was his primary focus. Yes, I'm talking about Jacob. In everything he did, Jacob was his primary focus. Sometimes, if I'm honest, I can put my name in there and I have to humbly confess that sometimes that happens in my life. 
And up till now, Jacob had done fine on his own, right? He was fine. He Eventually, he got his wives. He, he, he worked for them. He got his herds. He had to work for those as well. 20 years of all this stuff. And now he's getting what he wants. He, and, and he's moving on, right? He's been fine, self-sufficient. And now he's going to be coming home. We're not going to talk about what happens when he gets home and on his way home, but he's coming home after being and, and fearing for his life and getting his wives. He's coming home. And many years earlier, after Jacob stole the blessing from Esau, his mother, Rebekah, was going to send for him after Esau calmed down. Remember, Esau, as Pastor Mike said, wanted to wring his neck to the max till there was no neck. Right? That's what he wanted to do. Angry. He, and he, but the Bible never indicates that she ever sent word that it was safe to come home. The Bible doesn't say that. But God tells Jacob to go home. And even after many years had passed, he was afraid that his brother might still try to kill him. You can read about it. In the chapters here, preceding 32, 32 and on. Jacob had come to the Jabbok River, which is where our text is going to be. And crossing it meant crossing into Esau's territory. Once he crosses that, he's in his brother's land. And when he's there, he's fair game, man. The pickings, he's, he can, brother can go for him. He's got to defend, he can protect. He, they have an issue going way back. And if Esau comes around, he can take care of him and do whatever he wants because it's his land. He's going into his land. And he hopes to appease his brother so that he wouldn't kill him. So he sent gifts across the river ahead of him. You know what he does? He sends his servants with the gifts for Esau. 220 goats, 220 sheep, 30 camels, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 30 donkeys, 50 boxes of Joe from Dunkin' Donuts, 60 dozen donuts, a few pumpkin muffins, whatever. He sends all these gifts over. And as Jacob was making these preparations, he said to himself, I'm going to pacify, the Bible says in chapter 32, verse 20, I will pacify him with these gifts I am sending on ahead. Later, when I see him, perhaps he'll receive me. That works a lot of times, doesn't it? You send a gift before, and you calm down a foe or an adversary by sending a gift or something. It happens all the time. It's called, well, never mind. It's it's politics. It's how it works, right? I mean, there's, there's something to it, in a sense, right? And later that night, he, he sent his wives and his sons across the river. And finally, he sent the rest of his servants with the rest of his possessions and all his wealth across the Jabbok River. He had prayed for his life to God in fear of his brother. And everybody's across. And now it's just Jacob on that side. So what's next, God? What's next? Verse 24 in chapter 32. I gave you a little background. So verse 24 in chapter 32. So Jacob was left alone, the Bible says, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. And verse 28, then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. 
Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Ugh. What a, what a story. I mean, this all-night wrestling match between Jacob and this man who actually is God, and I think it's self-evident in the text itself. God answers Jacob's prayer by initiating a wrestling match. Now, Jacob, Esau was the warrior guy, the hunter, the one that was rough and tough and gruff. Esau was not like that. He was a mama's boy. I, I mean, if I could just put it that way. And Smooth-skinned guy, he cared. He was, he was very well-kept, stayed in the house. His mom looked after him. He, had, he was opposite of his brother. He's not the kind of guy who's going to go around and say, come on, you want to wrestle me? Come on, come on, let's go, let's fight. That wasn't who he really was. He was a deceiver, but he wasn't a wrestler. He didn't fight that way. He did it other ways with deception and manipulation. He didn't, I mean, not that he didn't do it as well as a kid when he, when he was young. I'm sure he did. But that wasn't his nature. That wasn't exactly who he was to fight people physically and other men physically. God initiates this wrestling match. It wasn't Jacob who did it. Notice that God tangles with Jacob. God engages Jacob. Have you ever noticed that God does not always, I don't even, this is a rhetorical question, but he doesn't always answer our prayers in the way that we expect. And so Jacob sees this shadowy figure sneaking up behind him. He's not sure who it is. Maybe he thought it was his brother Esau. Who knows? You don't know what's flooding his mind and he's thinking about what happened 20 years ago, even beyond that. Maybe it's a local thief. As far as Jacob is concerned, it doesn't matter. No one's going to mess up his plan now. He's gone this far being who Jacob is, doing things his way, right? His possessions, everything's across the river. He's sitting here waiting. What do I do now? I'm ready to go, but I'm all alone. I want some peace and quiet. And this man comes. And the wrestling match is on. It was a desperate fight. Maybe to the end, and the good old Jacob fights and he fights. He's stubborn, unyielding, and he's self-sufficient. We already know that. If we heard last week, and if you know the story of Jacob, that's exactly who he was. Have, have any of you ever wrestled? I mean, just physically with anyone, your kids or whatever. I remember when I was younger, I'd wrestle with Preston or Cohen. And especially, I remember growing up, I have two brothers. I was the oldest. And we would play in our yard. And we simply called this game tackle. I mean, genius, right? Tackle. You had a football and what, you have it. And then there's two of us and we're just pounding on him until we got the ball away from the other guy. It's football, but we just called it tackle. Beat him up till you get the ball from him. That's what it really was. And I remember that there were moments and times when the tempers flared up because you get going and you don't want to yield, submit, you want to hang on. And I remember teeth falling out. My brother Fred lost a tooth. I remember gashes on the head, blood squirting out. Sorry for the, but blood everywhere. And listen, the thing about it is, is that when we're doing these things, we are totally wanting to prove that we're self-sufficient, we're in control, you can't take it away from me, I know what I'm going to do, I'm going to get to where I want to be on my own strength, my own, you're not going to, even if it's two of you, I'm going to win. I remember wrestling 
with my brother Tony, four years younger than I am. And we were playing even this game. We were playing. And I remember sometimes messing with him and pretending that he had me or that he had me down. He didn't. And in the last second, I'd throw him off or I'd just launch him off. This is kind of what Jacob, it's like, it's like me and my brother Tony. And it's like, I'm not saying I'm God, but it's like God and Jacob. You know what I mean? It's really no match. And even though God initiates, Jacob goes on. He wants to wrestle and he fight because he wants to defend this. And he's going to keep going with this plan. He's stubborn. He's going on. And listen, he goes on. Can you imagine what it would be like to be in a wrestling match with God? Never gets tired, has all the power in the world. He's never going to fatigue, ever. He's not going to get you know, vitamin deficient or lactic acid buildup in his muscles. He's going to keep wrestling because he's God, right? On and on. Talk about being worn out all night. And that's exactly what Jacob did. He wouldn't stop. He wouldn't yield. And so God appears and he is wrestling with Jacob. And, and that raises the question, why did God want to wrestle with Jacob? Why? It was not for fun. Because <laughs> God could have had fun if he wanted to with that. Torturing him, teasing him, messing with him, right? But it was to teach him some important truths. That's why God wrestled with him. And we do know it is something God wanted to do. We need to understand that God wants to be actively engaged in our lives. This wrestling match was not only something that God wanted, but it was something that Jacob needed in his life at that point. Another question that comes to mind is, how could a man possibly hold his ground with God in a wrestling match, as I just mentioned with comparison? And to me, the answer is obvious. God let Jacob prevail, if I could use that word for a while, or hold his own if you will. When I, when I used to arm wrestle, same thing with wrestling physically, but wrestling with Preston and Cohen, even now, it's arm wrestle, daddy. And I'm just like, oh, you, you, you did all did it, his father's, right? And the arm's going down. Oh, and you're like pretending and you, you feel nothing, right? The three-year-old kid in the arms, he's got two hands he's on there and you're just like, that's what, that's what was going on here with Jacob and God. For a long time, I would fake that I was losing to Cohen, and then I would just, okay, I'm done. I'm sure Jacob could sense that same thing in wrestling with God. Who is this that I can't, just goes on and on all night. The energy isn't getting sapped. The strength is just consistent. What's going on? It's clear from the text that Jacob didn't prevail in the wrestling match in the sense of defeating God. They wrestled all through the night, and it appeared that it was going to be a draw. But know what happens next. God dislocates Jacob's hip with a simple touch. And Jacob becomes a broken man. See, because that's what God wants. It sounds harsh when you, if, if you think about it physically. It sounds so harsh. But God doesn't, he's not, he is concerned about our physical. I don't want to understand, you know, not, not state something falsely, but he's concerned about our will, about our spirit. He wants us to be broken. He wants us to come to a place where we submit, where we yield to him. And so he touches his hip. And that night, Jacob found out that he couldn't push God around and do things the way he'd always done them. And that's why the Bible says, the weakness of God is stronger than the man's strength. As Paul says that in 1 Corinthians one twenty-five. There's no fight left. But Jacob is holding on to God for all he's worth. And 
though God tells Jacob to let go, Jacob can't. Because he's realizing who it is and he wants that blessing. And he knows who he is in light of who this man is, this God that he's hanging on to and wrestling. And Jacob said, I will not let go until you bless me. I'm not going to stop. Here's a picture of Jacob's determination, his persistence to get a hold of God. And he did and he hung on all the way to the point until he got what God had to offer for him, his blessing. Nothing else is more valuable or more important than to have and to possess the blessing of God on your life, over your life, in your life, and through your life. Those are the words that God had waited for 40 years to hear all his life from Jacob. I'm not letting go until you bless me. Because Jacob, what did he do? He went and what did he do with the blessing? He got it his own way. He did everything his own way and it all worked for him up until this point. Through deception and manipulation, he got a blessing and he, he did all that. But now God says, whoa, 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 you're going to hang on to me until you, I, he never heard that from Jacob, not from his mouth, not from his heart. God had told Rebecca before Jacob's birth that he would receive a blessing. There was a promise and God is true to his promise. But Jacob had schemed for it instead of getting it from God himself. But Jacob was right in desiring God's blessing because being blessed by God is no small thing, as I mentioned. In Old Testament culture especially, there was nothing that was more important than securing the blessing of God. It was crucial. Life without God's blessing was a nightmare. And so Jacob met his match, and he knows it. Suddenly, he doesn't feel so big or so strong anymore. Jacob realizes that it's really God that he's wrestling, and Jacob is now just holding on, and he's not wrestling. Jacob is learning an important lesson. And here's what it is. that You and I need to learn as well. You don't get anywhere by resisting and struggling and wrestling with God. The only way you get anywhere with God is by yielding, surrendering, and holding on to God. And when you get to this place, you're ready to trust God. You know, there's an account in Job chapter 22. You know the story of Job who lost everything. And he had three very well-meaning friends. Oh, they, <laughs> you've got to read it. it actually, it's, it's kind of almost comical in some, some cases. Some of the things they say. Some of the things they say are very off theologically, actually. It's still in the Bible, but it's an example of how people aren't perfect and they're off. And then in other cases, they're very on the money and they get, they offer things that are very accurate. And in chapter 22, they say something to Job that lines up with what's going on here and that had to happen with, with Jacob. And I'm turning there. And in Job 22 and verse 12, it says this. I'm sorry, verse 21. It says, Yield now, they say, and be at peace with him. Therefore, good will come to you. Please receive instruction from his mouth and establish his words in your heart. If you return to the Almighty, you will be restored. If you remove unrighteousness far from your tent and place your gold in the dust and the gold of Ophir among the stones of the brooks, then the Almighty will be your gold and choice silver to you. For then you will 
then you will delight in the Almighty and lift up your face to God. You will pray to Him and He will hear you and you will pay your vows and so on and so forth. They give, there are these promises they give. Just saying, Jacob, I mean Job, just yield, submit to God and in that way good will come to you. And finally God is saying, Jacob, you're finally getting it. That's the lesson I want you to learn, that we should all learn, that we don't win or we don't get what God has for us by resisting him or by struggling or wrestling and it's our will against his will and we fight and fight and fight. No, we yield our will to him. We submit. God could have pinned Jacob's shoulders to the ground the first second, but he wouldn't have pinned down Jacob's will. I'm going to say that again. God could have pinned down Jacob in one second, but he wouldn't have pinned down his will. Wouldn't have done it. It's like this. And I'm reminded because I was like this, as probably a lot of you were. There's this little boy whose mom made him sit in the corner in another room because he was misbehaving and ongoing. Let's put it that way. And after a while, his mom yelled out from the other room, Are you still sitting down, Bob? And the boy replied, Yeah, I'm sitting down. I'm sitting down on the outside, but on the inside, I'm standing up. That's Jacob. You could do all you want physically, and God could have done all he wanted to physically. Isn't it true with the cycles that God's people went through? All the physical things that God allowed, the captivities, the illnesses, the, 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 the difficulty they had amongst each other, the squabbles, and just all the stuff they went through, and they fall away from God, and they suffer physically. God was after their will. God could have, well, he could have just destroyed them. But he wants their will. He wants their heart. He wants their spirit. And Jacob is finally here. And God doesn't just pin him down because he wants his will. His confidence is shot. He doesn't feel so conniving anymore. Jacob's arrogance is gone. He's clinging to God and the God of love, the God of compassion, the God of forgiveness, the God who made a promise and holds true to it and makes sure that it comes to pass, changes his grasp of Jacob, I believe, to an embrace. And now they're just hanging on to each other. I don't know. I I know I'm taking a little liberty. But I think that there was something like that that happened there. He hangs on to Jacob, and Jacob is hanging on to God. God, who had once been unimportant to Jacob, really, for all intents and purposes, who was not needed by Jacob to get by in life, suddenly becomes indispensable to him. And Jacob realizes that he's nothing without God. He realizes that no matter how big he is, no matter how strong he might be or thinks he is, no matter how sneaky he might be, there is one greater than he is. Jacob is reminded of this by the pain that shoots up and down his leg as a reminder for the rest of his life. I'm not all that. And I give in to God. I'm not letting go until you bless me, God. Dawn was coming. The sun was going to come. And he, so, so 
Let me go, said the wrestler. It's interesting that God engages him in the dark at night. But then again, Exodus 33, 20 says that no one can see God and live. And yet Jacob says, I've seen the face of God and yet I live. He had a direct encounter is what he's saying. No, he didn't see his face. It was dark and they're wrestling. He might not even know what he was, but then he's hanging on. And in that pitch black darkness, He's asking for the blessing. And what is your name? What? God didn't know? What's the re- what the- Here's the reality in this tangled match. Jacob needed to see himself as he was and to confess all he was by and since his natural birth. A cheat, a liar, and schemer. I'm sorry, God. I know it's who I am. I yield to you because you know it all. Boy, it sounds a lot like almost a conversion experience. When we're regenerated, in a sense, when we're born again, that happens to us. We come to terms with that. We get a hold of God and we realize. And even in our journeys, we take all these side roads and we have to come back to this point where we get a hold of God. And I realize I need your blessing. I yield to you, God. I'm not going to fight you anymore. Jacob is a broken man, physically and in spirit. And because of that, he's right exactly where God can work. And when we are broken, we're also right where God can use us. Psalm 51, 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. God can now bless Jacob. This is evidenced by the fact that God gives him a new name, Israel. This is transformation. It's a new identity. Oh, people might not see that or accept that or they see his face for the first time. Esau might even doubt that when they meet. But God would pave the way and make it happen by his mercy and grace and because of his promise. He has a new identity. The one who wrestled with God and won who got the blessing, who yielded, who yielded to God. He is a blessed as a new man with a new name. And he's going to go into the land of his brother as a prince of God. But more amazingly, Jacob could name the place of his encounter Peniel because he saw the face of God. He didn't get a name from that wrestler. He didn't. But he had tangled with God and he knew it. And as a reminder, he has a limp. He was marked by God. You know, just a little side note. Some of us have been through things and we want God to take them away, but we don't forget that we got those limps, if I'll call it, to remind us that we yielded to God at some point in our life and that we need to keep yielding to him. Because if you don't have that limp, you're going to go right back to being who you were. You're gonna, Jacob would go right back to being Jacob. But we still pray, but God, take away my limp. God, take away this. No, God wants you to rely on him. God heals. God takes things away. But we have to come to terms as well with the things he does to mark us as his own so that we're constantly relying on him, realizing we can't do it in our own strength. I need you, God. I need your blessing. I thank you that I did that. Thank you for my limp, whatever that is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to praise you for that because I got to keep going to you. And you're my God and you're almighty and you're going ahead of me, you're behind me and you're all around me. You know, this struggle is a metaphor that we have here in Genesis 32, both spiritually and emotionally. 
and it's also a physical one. All of us have wrestled with God at times as we struggle to do our things in our way. We've wrestled with God over problems we don't understand, haven't we? No, you haven't. I, I, I've wrestled with problems I don't understand with God. And it's not fun sometimes. And yet you hold on and you keep fighting and you keep, and you, you won't let go because you want something from God. And then we insert our own idea and our own will. And that's when we're wrestling and resisting God. And wait, 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 I can't do that. I'm just going to hold on to God. And you go back and forth until you come to terms and you just, okay, it's done. God, what do you want? I'm holding on. Okay, I'm listening. Bless me. We've wrestled with God over the things that he has asked us to give up for him. We've wrestled with God and his call on our lives. Or telling him what our call should be. Or denying what his call is for our lives. Sometimes we've wrestled with God because of a deep desire for blessing in general. We can think of nights when sleep eluded us and we tossed and turned Struggling over decisions to be made or that we have made or we, yeah. We can remember being physically exhausted in the morning for the struggle we've endured the night before. Although we don't enjoy these things, I don't. We do have our wrestling matches with God, don't we? And we need, I'm going to say it, we need these times. Because God wants us to engage with him and yes, even wrestle with him for blessings until we can't wrestle anymore and we yield to him. So, as we close, if you're wrestling with God right now, I know I just said we're wrestling, but stop. If you're resisting and you're fighting and it's your will against God's will, stop. Take it for me, and I won't tell you all my baggage or all my stuff in the past or all the things I wrestled with God about. But take it from me. Take it from Jacob that the only way you can win with God is by losing. If you quit wrestling with God, you too will be blessed. And then you can say, I'm not what I ought to be. But thank God that I'm not what I used to be. Amen? Wrestle with God. But yield to him in the end. It's okay. It's what God wants. Amen? Let's be like Jacob in that sense. And let's become all that God wants us to be. Let's bow our heads. Lord, I thank you for Lord Jacob and the word, Lord, that you've just... uh, Allowed to be recorded, Lord, this, this uh, account of his wrestling with you to the point where he had to submit and he yielded because he realized he couldn't do it forever. Because he realized who you were and the blessing you desire and want to bestow on him and us. And so Lord, I pray that we would yield to you. We'd wrestle with you, but we'd yield God. We'd recognize that we can't do it forever. Lord, I pray that we would exchange our will for yours in all matters, in all things. Thank you for your patience as we learn how to do that and as you teach us to do that. Lord, I pray that you be glorified through us because as we yield to you, you bless us. 
And then you desire for us to take that blessing to others. So Lord, help us as we do that today, throughout this week, and God willing, through the rest of our lives, that you might be glorified in everything we say, think, and do. Last week, uh, Pastor Mike was preaching from Genesis as well, and he was talking about uh, Jacob. And um, I had been thinking about Jacob for a little while, and as he was preaching, it just I just couldn't get it out of my head, but I'm um, thinking about uh, an event in Jacob's life. And last week in Super Church, the, uh, the kiddos were doing, they're going through the heroes of the faith, and uh, they were discussing Jacob as well. And then in Awana, we're kind of paralleling that, and my class, we were doing Jacob as well this past Wednesday. And so it's just kind of strange. I, I guess it's strange, but it's kind of neat. And, um, but I, I'm really focusing on um, Jacob's life and kind of when he's in the middle of it all and he's right before he goes back home later on in, in his life and at the end of his life. And so I, I, we're going to go there in just a minute. But our text is Genesis chapter 32 and it's in verses 22 to 31. I'm not going to read the entire text. I will read the middle portion in a moment in the sermon. Um, but the title of the message is Wrestling with God. And so um, if that's you today, um, if that's me today, I pray that we would just listen and take heed at what the Holy Spirit might be saying to our hearts. And today we're looking again at Jacob. And unlike Abraham, he had, he had a reputation, of course, in the Old Testament as being a godly man. But Abraham wasn't perfect. He made a few errors. He did some things intentionally. He told a lie. And he did some other things that were inconsistent with the righteousness God demanded. But he was still generally looked at as a godly man, right? And doing the right thing. And so when we describe Jacob, we have to use different words. I think Pastor Mike alluded to, to this and mentioned that. And his brother Esau as well, who means red, um, the hunter guy. Um, and, but words like shyster, right? Liar, manipulator, cheater, schemer, con artist. Don't those make you feel happy? That's what Jacob was in many ways. Sometimes subtle and sometimes just overt, just out there. He was like that. And I guess that you could say his character was revealed at birth. And we know the story, just to reiterate. We're familiar with this, but, and as even Pastor Mike said, he was the second born of twins, right? And he came out holding his brother Esau's heel. And he's been grabbing things ever since then in his life. You can read all about that beginning in Genesis chapter 25 and read uh, about a dozen or so chapters and you'll read about Jacob's life. Interesting, and we find ourselves similar to him in so many ways um, when we read his story. Jacob cheated his brother. We heard that last week. He conned his father and he swindled his father-in-law, if you read his account. And what he did wasn't exactly illegal but the things he did weren't exactly moral or right either. You can think about what he did. They weren't right or moral. And in all that he did, Jacob was his primary focus. I'm going to say that again. In all that he did, Jacob was his primary focus. In all that he did, Jacob was his primary focus. In all that he did, Bob was his primary focus. In all that he did, or she did, you put your name in there. But that was what Jacob was. He was his focus for everything he did. And up to now, Jacob had done just fine on his own. He was fine. But now he's coming home. He's going to be heading home. 
Many years earlier, after Jacob stole the blessing from Esau, his mother Rebekah was going to send for him after Esau calmed down. Now, of course, what happened here before he heads back, he's working for Laban, for his two wives for 14 years and a few other years for the, for the herds. And 20 years he's working for his, grand, his, uh, his uncle. And he's been, he's been duped too. He's been taken. The same thing he did to people, it all came back to him. It all came back. It's interesting. It has a way, sin has a way of boomeranging. And our unrighteous actions have a way of boomeranging right back to us. And all those things that we do that we think we get away with, they come right back to us so often, don't they? The Bible never indicates that Rebecca sent word that it was safe for Jacob to come home now. We don't have that in scripture. We don't see that. But God does tell Jacob to go home, if you will. He tells him to go. And even after many years had passed, he was afraid that his brother might still try to kill him. Because remember, when he left and he fled and his mother helped him get away, Esau wanted to wring his neck until there was no neck. Because of what happened with the blessing that he stole from him. It was very personal, of course. He wanted to kill him. He was afraid that he might, if he goes home, that's what's going to happen. Jacob, in our text, he comes to the, the Jabbok River and crossing it meant that he would cross into Esau's territory. He'd be in his land, his territory. And once he crosses over, it's fair game for Esau. He could take care of him, he could send out his servants, push him away, send him back, hurt him, whatever he needed to do. It was his land. He could do what he wanted to in his land. And hoping to appease his brother, who he knew from 20-some years ago was pretty angry and wanted to get him, so that he wouldn't kill him, he wanted to appease him, he sends gifts across the river ahead of him, the Bible tells us. And he sent his servants with the gifts of Esau, 220 goats, 220 sheep, 30 camels, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 30 donkeys, a Lamborghini, a dozen donuts, prime rib steak, whatever it is. He sends all these gifts to appease his brother. Now, it still works today, doesn't it? I mean, you can do that. I mean, I guess we can call it politics. But, I mean, we do that. It works. It's true. You send the gift before. Proverbs even talks about that. And as Jacob was making these preparations, he said to himself, I will pacify him with these gifts I'm going to send on ahead. And later when I see him, perhaps he'll receive me with open arms. The guy who wanted me dead. And later that night, he sends his wives and his sons across the river. And finally, he sent the rest of all the servants and all the possessions that he had. And he sends them across that river and he's left alone there on the, on, in his territory, or in exile territory almost, right? Not his brother's land, but he's over there. And he had prayed for his life to God in fear of his brother right before. And everyone's across and now it's just Jacob. And the question is, what's next, God? What's next? Verse 24 in chapter 32 says this, if you want to follow along. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man asked him, what's your name? Jacob, he answered. 
And then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. And then Jacob says, please tell me your name. He doesn't get that though. The Bible doesn't say he gets a response of what that man's name was. But he replied, why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel saying, it is because I saw God face to face. And yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel and he was limping because of his hip. We're familiar with this story and we hear about it and we've heard about it, heard the stories, the lessons from childhood if you've been a Christian. But God answers Jacob's prayer by initiating a wrestling match. Notice that God tangles with Jacob. It isn't the other way around. Jacob isn't known as somebody who's like this. Maybe Esau. He's got the weapons. He's got the, uh, the, all the, the stuff for hunting. He's an outdoorsman. He's rough and tough and gruff and so on and so forth. And Jacob is the opposite. I, I would, if I could say it, if, he's like a mama's boy. I mean, mama's looking out for him. He's taking care of him. He's in the house. He's all neat and nice. And he's not a fighter like this and going out and wrestling. That's not what he does. But God initiates. God engages Jacob. Have you ever noticed that, it's a rhetorical question, and we hear this often here, or maybe you're in your life and from your friends and other brothers and sisters, have you ever noticed that God does not always answer our prayers the way that we expect? Just doesn't. Jacob sees a shadowy figure sneaking up behind him. He's not sure who it is. Is it his brother Esau? Because now he knows his family, his possessions, his servants are already in his territory. Maybe he found out and now he's coming over there and he's going to come and take care of business. Maybe it's him. Maybe it's a local thief. And as far as Jacob is concerned, it doesn't really matter though. And no one is going to mess up his plan now. It's worked this long, right? The wrestling match is on. It was a desperate fight, I guess. Maybe to the end and good old Jacob, he fights and he fights. He's not going to give up. He's stubborn, unyielding, and he's self-sufficient. That's been his character traits, his marks that he's had all along in his life. He did it his way. He got here this far. There's no way someone's going to stop me now. I'm already over there. I'm going back. I'm going to send the gifts of appeasement. I'm going to make it right. I'm heading back. Doing it my way. Who's this trying to stop me? Have any of you ever wrestled? I mean, actually physically wrestled. Come on. It's okay to say yes, right? I did. I have two younger brothers. So yes, we wrestled. And um, it was fun most of the time. It was fun until a tooth came out. But it, and it, that did happen. But, but it's, it's fun. We wrestle, right? And we're fighting and we're going. Whoever's energy. And you know what? It's kind of like, you know what? Can you imagine? I mean, think about it. When you're wrestling with like, when, I, when Preston and Conan, Conan is tiny and he wanted, he's rolling on you, he's wrestling and you did, I'm like so much bigger than him and he thinks he could take you on. You know, it's like that yield sign again, that semi-tractor trailer in a little car. And it's like, I could just go with one hand and leave him there and he'll never get up. But God engages here. It's what it's like. It's a match between this man and Jacob, who is God. And this is the kind of match they're having. Can you imagine what it would be like to have a wrestling match with God? Who never gets tired 
who never gets lactis, lac, what's it, lactic acid buildup in his muscles so he gets cramped. He never gets that. He never gets, goes out of breath. He never needs more potassium for energy. He doesn't need the B vitamins. He's just God. He's powerful. He doesn't get tired. And Jacob is wrestling against him. Talk about being worn out. Because God's not going to stop and he's not going to get tired. And yet that's exactly what Jacob did. He keeps going and going and going. So God appears and he wrestles with Jacob. And which raises the question for me, why did God want to wrestle Jacob? It was not for fun. I'll tell you that much. It wasn't for fun, but it was to teach him some important truths that he had to grasp. And we do know that it was something that God wanted to do. We need to understand that God wants to be actively engaged in our lives. Not passively, not off in the distance, but he wants to actively be engaged in our lives. And sometimes he wrestles us. He wrestles us. And this wrestling match was not only something that God wanted, but it was something that Jacob needed. Another question that comes to mind is, how could a man possibly hold his ground with God in a wrestling match? Just the energy factor, as I mentioned. But to me, the answer is obvious. God let Jacob prevail, if we could put it that way, or at least hold his own. And it's like a draw for all this time back and forth. You know, when I used to arm wrestle Preston. Come on, keep trying. And the hand will never touch the other side. It's like an inch off. And you're like, come on, keep trying. That's what God was doing with Jacob. I could have just went, but he kept, and it's just staying there. And that's what God was doing. I'm sure Jacob could sense that same thing in wrestling with God. That if this man wanted to, he's done. It is clear from the text that Jacob didn't prevail or win, if you will, in the wrestling match in the sense of defeating God. They wrestled all through the night, and it appeared that it was going to be a draw. But know what happens. God dislocates Jacob's hip with a simple touch. And Jacob becomes a broken man. Guess what God's after? It doesn't sound very appealing, does it? It doesn't sound fun. It doesn't sound like something I want to invoke and invite and say, God, come break me. Give me a massive limp so that, well, whatever, because you want to. It's not always fun when you hear about this fact that God wants us to be broken and we must be broken. See, that night, Jacob found out that he couldn't push God around and do things the way that he had always done them. He found that out pretty clearly. And that's why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25, just to affirm this, Paul said that the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength and his wisdom. His foolishness is way beyond our wisdom. God knew what he was doing. He still had a plan. There is no fight left because Jacob physically is worn out and he's holding on to God for all he's worth. He won't let go. And though God, and though God tells Jacob to let go, Jacob can't. He won't. He clings to God and he asks for the most basic need. The most important thing ever that you could have. A blessing. A blessing from God. Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. 
And these are words, I think, that God waited 40 years to hear from Jacob after all his stuff he did in the family with his manipulation and all his deception. And God was waiting all these years for Jacob to finally say, God, I need, I want, I must have your blessing. See, God had told Rebekah before Jacob's birth that he would receive a blessing. But what did Jacob do? He schemed for it. He tried to help God. Sounds like other great men of faith that tried to help God. And Abraham and others that tried to help God with his promise and his blessing. Instead of getting it from God himself, I'm going to do it. But Jacob was right in desiring God's blessing because being blessed by God is no small thing. And especially in the Old Testament culture, there was nothing that was more important than the blessing of God on you, your life, your family. It was crucial because life without God's blessing was a nightmare. And I will say that life without God's blessing today is a nightmare. God desires to bless. He wants to bless. And so he initiates. But oh, we fight and we wrestle and we resist and we won't yield and we get tired. But then we start to break down and we realize what's going on and we just hold on even when we have no strength and we just won't let go. We know we can't win, but we're not letting go of God. So Jacob meets his match and he knows it. And suddenly he doesn't feel so big or so strong anymore. And Jacob realizes that it's really God that he's wrestling. And Jacob is holding on and no longer wrestling. Jacob is learning a really, really important lesson. You don't get anywhere by resisting and struggling and wrestling with God. Oh, he allows it. God even initiates it because he wants to break us down and wants you to be broken. The only way that you can get anywhere with God is by yielding, surrendering, and holding on to God. And when you get to this place, man, you're ready to trust. You may remember the account of Job and his life in the book of Job in the Old Testament. And he had three very well-meaning friends who, well, they tried to give him advice or counsel or theological insight, accusations, condemnation, the whole gamut, whatever you want. They did all that stuff. And most of what they said, some of it theologically was, eh, a lot of it was good. But they were off the mark. They were off the mark in in a lot of ways. But they, they did say something very powerful in chapter 22. Eliphaz is talking to him, his friend, and he says something in verse 21 to Job, and he says, Yield now and be at peace with him. Thereby good will come to you. Please receive instruction from his mouth and establish his words in your heart. If you return to the Almighty, you will be restored. If you remove true unrighteousness far from your tent and place your gold in the dust and the gold of Ophir among the stones of the brooks, Then the Almighty will be your gold and choice silver to you. For then you will delight in the Almighty and lift up your face to God and you will pray to him and he will hear you and you will pay your vows and so on and so forth. It goes on. The idea is yield to God so that good can come to you. That is sound and good advice from his friend in that moment. See, Job's problem wasn't that he was actually getting 
penalized and punished for being unrighteous. He was being tested. God allowed it. But he maintained his righteousness throughout the whole process. And in that way, and this is where you got to give way. You know, God's righteous. I'm not. Yes, I've done things. I've been declared righteous and faithful. But only God is righteous. I cannot declare myself self-righteous. Yield to God that good might come to you. What awesome advice that is for us even today. It's like... When a lifeguard tries to save a drowning man, I think we're all familiar, we save this. If he tries to grab him, the drowning victim will pull the lifeguard under, just grab it and whatever, trying to climb on top of him. Both will drown, potentially. The lifeguard waits until he's really tired out and has little strength, about to go under, and then he grabs him when his strength is all gone. God could have pinned Jacob's shoulders to the ground the first second. But if he did that, he wouldn't have pinned down Jacob's will. Maybe you've been in this situation. It's like the little boy whose mom made him sit in the corner in his bedroom. After a while, he was being punished. After a while, his mom yells out, Bobby, are you still sitting down? And Bob replies, Yeah, I'm sitting down on the outside, but on the inside, I'm standing up. <laughs> That's resistance, man. That is some attitude. That is some, I'm the authority. I'm going to do it my way. Who are you to tell me what to do? Yeah, I'll do it, but inside, it's It's no different than our journey with God sometimes. And we show and display like we're doing what God wants. But on the inside, we're like, yeah, but on the inside, I'm still doing it my way. So forget you, God. And we wrestle and resist and fight God. And God's just trying to break us down. And he's staying close and he's trying to grab us and and he's he's fighting for us. And we're trying to fight against him. He's fighting to weaken us so he can hug us and embrace us and we're fighting to push him away. Jacob's confidence is shot. He doesn't feel so conniving anymore. His arrogance is fading. It's gone. He's clinging to God and the God of love, the God of compassion, the God of forgiveness changes his grasp, I think, into, I don't know, the Bible doesn't say, but I think there's a moment of embrace there. God, who once had been unimportant to Jacob, who was not needed by Jacob to get on in life, suddenly becomes, this God suddenly becomes indispensable to him. Jacob realizes that he's nothing without God. He realizes that no matter how big he is or how big he thinks he is, No matter how strong he might be, no matter how sneaky he might be, there is one that is greater, smarter, wiser, bigger than him. Jacob is reminded of this by the pain that just shoots up and down his leg as a reminder for the rest of his life. But he still says, I'm not letting go until you bless me. Dawn's coming. It's all night already. The sun's going to come 
And the wrestler says, let me go. It's going to get a light outside. It's interesting to note that God engages him in the night. But then again, maybe it's because Exodus 33.20, Moses tells us that no man can see God and live. Oh no, not face to face. He had contact. It was dark outside. Maybe that's why. And what's your name? What? God didn't know what his name was? Here's the reality in this tangled match. Jacob needed to see himself as he was and to confess all he was by and since his natural birth that he was a cheat, a liar, a schemer, a sinner. Jacob is a broken man. You know, I always sometimes wonder about, I wonder too much, but I wonder about these things that we ask God to take away in our lives. Listen, I I believe in healing. I believe that God can heal and he has and he can. And I, I do. But sometimes we pray for these things. Jacob, we never see Jacob saying, God, take away my limp. You know, we all have limps. And God isn't, God isn't waiting for you to say, oh God, please take my limp away. God's like, I gave you that limp to remind you, man, you need me. You're a broken person. And you, you're not you anymore. That's not who you are. And you, you're that because you're a new identity and you're relying on me, not on yourself and not anybody else. That's why it's there. So, so don't even ask. You can ask, but you're going to be limping. Hopefully all the way to heaven, right? If you're his. Whatever your limp is, whatever it might be, and we get all flustered and upset. Whatever that might be, it's something emotional, it's something physical, it's something financial. Whatever. We, but God gives these things, and we're all different, to keep us humble and broken so that we're submitted and yielded to Him. But still, we kick and we fight and we wrestle and try to bring God down and tell Him how to do things. And then we try to help Him. God says, oh, i got to break you again. You want another limp? Jacob is broken physically and in spirit. Because of that, he's right exactly where God can work. And when we are broken, we are also right where God can use us. Psalm 51 says, 17, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. God can now bless Jacob. This is evidenced by the fact that God gives him a new name, Israel. This is transformation. It's not just a new name, but he's transformed on the inside. He's not just sitting on the stool because he's supposed to. He's actually sitting on the stool and he's bowing down to God and his throne in his heart, not just outwardly. There is transformation. And he's going into the land of his brother as a prince of God. That's awesome. He is blessed as a new man with a new name. But more amazingly, Jacob could name the place of his encounter Peniel because he saw the face of God. He encountered God physically. He didn't get a name for him, but he had tangled with God. That was evidenced within the text that it was God. And as a reminder, he has that limp. He's marked by God for God. The struggle is a metaphor, spiritually and emotionally for you and for me, right? It's also a physical one. All of us have wrestled with God at times as we struggle to do things our way. We've wrestled with God over problems we don't understand. 
Haven't you? We've wrestled with God over the things He's asked us to give up for Him. We've wrestled with God and His call on our lives. Sometimes we've wrestled with God because of just that deep desire for a blessing because we know we need it without it. It's just not the same. You know, we can think, maybe I'm just talking, but we can think of nights when sleep eludes us and we toss and we turn, struggling over decisions to be made. We can remember being physically exhausted in the morning from the struggle we've endured the night before. Because we just want God's blessing. But we fight, but then we want it, but then we fight, but then we want it. And we're wrestling with God and God's like, just yield and we're tiring ourselves out. And although we may not, and I may not enjoy these times, I certainly don't. We do definitely have our wrestling matches with God. Don't we? And we need these times. Because God wants us to engage with him and yes, even wrestle with him for our blessings. And so as we close, if you're wrestling with God right now, stop. Or maybe I should add that if you're wrestling with God right now and you're not tired yet, Go ahead, knock yourself out. (laughs) Take it from me. Take it from Jacob that the only way you can win is by losing. If you quit wrestling with God, you too will be blessed. And then you can say this amazing thing. I'm not what I ought to be. But thank God I'm not what I used to be. That's the story of Jacob right there in a nutshell, man. His transformation. So you can wrestle with God all you want. But that point in time will come where you must yield to receive the blessing. Is that time today? I don't know. You know. And you know about what? And you know why? And you know where? Yield to God that good might come to you. Amen? Amen. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this word and for the life of Jacob and for the lesson that we can learn, Lord, that uh, doing it your way is the best way. Lord, I pray that as we leave today, we would wrestle with you, yes, but help us Lord, as you wear us out, that we would just yield to you, give up, cling to you, and plead with you for your blessing. That we would yield and our wills would merge with yours. Lord, I pray, God, that uh, we could alleviate or avoid collisions with you by learning how to yield more consistently in our lives with you, your will, your plan, your word, your spirit. So help us, Lord, as we go today that we might be those who can
who are broken, but Lord, we are fully blessed that we can carry this blessing of knowing you firsthand personally, that we can share that blessing and and give it to others all around us, Lord. We thank you that you're a God who's patient, who loves us, who's kind, and wants to bless us. We love you, Lord, and we give you this day and all that we do that you might be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.